0: Five, four, three, two, one. Bazinga. Bazinga. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to now. Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Sam Hoos, and I'm joined once again by glamorous co-host, Lewis! Hello, Very you'll be today. Hello. <laughs> uh, hi, yes, I've uh, just got back to the pub for, after England beat Czech Republic 1-0, and I am extremely pissed. So I'm going to try and navigate through the podcast <laughs> without sounding too drunk. Um, however, it might be a slight challenge, uh, but how are you
1: doing today? I'm doing good, thank you. I've had a a quiet, peaceful day. I've not really done anything. Not had as much fun or excitement as you.
0: Yeah, I was um, kind of barrauded with a series of drinks from a bunch of strangers that uh, were sitting on our table at the pub today. So um, I wasn't prepared to be this drunk. Um, But, um, you know, I I feel like I can... uh, I've sobered up a bit. I've drunk some water. So I feel like I'm Prepared to take on this special episode of Now Showing. Now, usually, of course, we review a film uh, or a few films, but today, um, because of time constraints, uh, we're recording this very soon after our last episode. So, we had to try and find something where we didn't have to rec- uh, watch too much. So, we're talking about our top 10 films that have been released theatrically in 2021 so far uh, in the UK or, or on streaming services. So, 2021 UK releases. Um, And obviously that's a little bit short, so we're also prefacing that with our series of top five films ever from each of the following genres. Science fiction, horror, comedy, musicals, superheroes, romance, and family or kids films. Now of course these lists would change every single day you asked us, of course these lists could mean a lot of different things depending on how you define a genre and we'll get to that as we get to it but we've decided to kind of go at it from from a certain kind of our own mindset of what those things mean so for example the comedy films for myself I haven't got the top five funniest films, but my top five favourite films that are comedies. Same with horror, not top five scariest films, but top five favourite films that are horror, and so on and so forth. So, before we get into all that, um, of course, we're recording this very soon after our last episode, so I imagine there's not much you've been watching, but have you watched anything since last episode?
1: Uh, I've literally only watched one thing. I went to the cinema to see Saving Private Ryan. Uh, which was great, but also slightly annoying because I re- very recently rewatched Saving Private Ryan because I didn't expect it to be in the cinema. So I rewatched it on Netflix on my laptop uh, to catch up on it, and then like two weeks later, it- I saw that it was going to be in cinema, and I was like, Ugh, I don't want to have to sit through like two and a at- two. So hours why to did to you not it. watch it? Because it's one of those films that's so good. Like I feel like it has to I, want to, I wanted to see it on the cinema screen. I couldn't pass up an opportunity to see it on, a, on the big screen, especially the opening scene on the beach. I feel like I couldn't turn down an opportunity to see that, but I did contemplate mm. just watching the opening scene on the beach and then leaving because it is a heavy film and I only rewatched it recently and I was like, Right. And maybe I'll just go after the beach scene so I can say I've seen the beach scene in the cinema. But then I was like, no, I can't bring myself to just leave. So I sat through all, like, 2 hours and 50 minutes of it. uh, And it was still really good. I just wish that I hadn't rewatched it very recently.
0: Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, it's a great film. Of course, we reviewed it on the podcast ourselves, and you can go back and listen to that, how me, Jordan, and Isaac uh, thought that film was. And of course, I had some serious criticisms about the ending of the film. Um, But of course... It's one of the all time great war films, and um, maybe if we do another one of these and we talk about our favourite war films, maybe it'll come up. Um, But yeah, uh, on the topic of the films I've watched, um, the other day I took a journey into London. I watched three films uh, in the cinema in a day, and I watched in three different cinemas. Um, and I first film I went to go watch was In the Earth. Uh, that is Ben Wheatley's new, uh, horror film, and I will discuss it more later. Um, but it stars Joel Fry and it is a kind of psychedelic body horror mixed with the occult about the link between the Earth and humanity and the kind of hive mind that lives within the Earth. Um, and it is definitely has, it definitely incorporates a lot of other horror. Subgenres like it's got some slasher vibes at points um but in a sense it's very psychedelic very cult um but yeah i thought it was as really really good uh, i was really really impressed i didn't really think much of it coming in i didn't really know much about it um but i was kind of shocked and i've got to say that the psychedelic elements of the film really captured me and really kind of engrossed me and and i'm looking forward to a rewatch um that was in a kind of dusty um old fashionedy um cinema uh, the Odeon in Covent Garden that was kind of um kind of submerged and it was a little bit um Kind of say it was very damp smelling and very traditional. And then I went to the View in, in Leicester Square, which is very modern, to go watch the Top Gun, the 1986 original starring Tom Cruise for the first time. And nobody could prepare me for just how bad Top Gun was. I mean, <laughs> it genuinely was awful. I mean, I expected a cheesy kind of fun romp from the 80s, very, you know, 80s soundtrack and such, um, with some fun and some shooting and, and Tom Cruise being, you know, you know cheesy but but funny but it wasn't funny uh it was just cheesy the action scenes were boring it was kind of stuck you know the whole film revolved around a very uninspiring love life which i really didn't care for and tom cruise uh really hammed it up for the whole thing i was very disappointed i'm not a big fan of tom Cruise. i've got to say i'll probably give it kind of between like a three out of ten kind of range uh i was really not prepared for how bad uh, Top Gun really was and I've got to say I really hope that Maverick which is the sequel coming out this latest year uh, is, is an improvement and I finished off my day by going to the BFI uh, South Bank in the British Film Institute to watch Citizen Kane um, which is an all-time great film we reviewed it on the podcast before I watched it the first time for the podcast but I got to see it you know in, in, the, in the BFI and they give you a, an A4 piece of paper with all the details of the film and reviews in the past and why it is respected and all these details of the film. It's played on a traditional projector. You know, it's not it's not 4K rest, uh, restored or anything. It's like, you know, the proper film and it's got all the kind of crackling of the screen and all these kind of, it's a proper auditorium, you know, and no, no cup holders or anything. A lot of beard scratching, you know, very intelligent film types. And then halfway through the film, you know, as they're talking to Susan Alexander, Citizen Kane, you know, it's, it's, it's Charles Foster Kane's second wife. I just suddenly burst out laughing in front of everyone. Everyone looked around me, turned and stared at me because I remembered um, the existence of the former BBC sitcom *Citizen Khan, which kind of stuck <laughs> in my mind. Um, but other than that, *Citizen Kane* is obviously an excellent picture and one of the all-time great films. And I actually talked to you last week about how I think *Citizen Kane* is actually a bit underrated these days because the reputation of it—it it kind of has this reputation for being—it kind of it has a reputation where it's so good that it never can live up to the expectation. You know, that's the kind of the reputation is that its reputation is high, but I don't think that's true. I think it lives up to it in all senses. I think it genuinely is one of the greatest films ever made. I think that, 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 Label doesn't make the film any worse because I think it completely lives up to it. You know, I I think it truly is one of the great pictures of all time. The cinematography is off the charts. Uh, The screenplay is one of the best of all times. You can thank you know Mank from that if you obviously you've seen the Mm. film that came out last year. Um, And uh, the acting is is excellent, especially from a cast that have never really been in many films before. You know, a lot of almost all, if not all, of the actors in Citizen Kane were. Radio or theatre actors. Um, I just, you know, I've all talked about it before. It's just truly a tremendous picture, and I don't, I don't think it's, it's any worse than the reputation is given. To be honest, I think it fully lives up to it.
1: Yeah, I think it has fallen victim to its reputation. I do think that it's amazing. And I do think it's one of the best films ever made. But when the first time I ever watched it, I expected it to be like leaps and bounds a- ahead of everything else, and. I, don't, I feel like there are many other films that are just as good as it, whereas its reputation has almost made it almost mythic. Like nothing could ever live up to the hype of Citizen Kane. I suppose it depends on your own perception of its reputation. Like, like I said, I thought of its reputation and still think of its reputation as... It's leaps and bounds ahead of everything else that's ever been made. It's so much better than everything else. And I don't feel like it is. I just feel like it's just as good as many other films. And it's a lot better than many other films that are considered the best of all time.
0: I think also you've got to think that it is 1941 and therefore it is kind of revolutionary in its kind of existence and what it did to the change in the game. And a lot of that actually goes down to cinematography more than it does goes down to Orson Welles. Yeah. I think that like you've got to think of what it means for cinema. Now, of course, it wasn't a massive hit at the time, but I think, um, you know, a lot of what it did for, for, for even stuff that, such as such, such lighting, you know, it changed so much of the game in so many aspects, I think that as well means that it deserves to be held up in the pedestal so it does, in my opinion, of course, but I just think it is that good.
1: Yeah, it is great, and I do love it. I feel like whenever anyone says, like, oh, Citizen Kane is overrated, people think that they're saying it's bad, but I don't, I think it's just, I don't feel like it is so much better than no, everything else. Yeah, but it is. it yeah, is like, still amazing, and I don't want anyone to think that I'm like, Saying, oh, it's awful, it's awful. I'm not one of those edgy people that are like, oh, I don't like no, System Yeah. But um, it is great. I just do think that a lot of classic films have that issue where their reputation becomes so famous that, like, the reputation is more famous and more well known than the film. And people who haven't even seen it know how good it is or have been told how good it is. And nothing can ever live up to that.
0: Right. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I guess I was, I'd say we'd agree to agree, but it sounds like we don't both think it's great. We both obviously do think it's great, but yeah, definitely you know, to a different extent, of course. Um, but yeah, I was very blessed to see it in the cinema for the first time. I've only seen it on my—I my, think it was my—I watched it the first time on my phone. I think. Wow. Um, but to, to see, I watched a lot of films on my phone. Actually, I don't necessarily think it makes the experience that much worse. Yeah. Uh, I watched three billboards on my phone. and I still gave it a very good review. Yeah. Um, I am envious that to, see it, to See it, like, it properly projected. Yeah, it was very nice. Um, but yeah, yeah, of course, that was those were the films that I saw this week. I'm not going to any of the Fast and Furious yet. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm going to ask you before we get into our top five of each genre. I'm going to ask you a question that I don't you're not prepared for. Um, but if you could choose any, if you had a cinema ticket to see any film tomorrow, if you could choose any film to see in the cinema. What would you go for? Because I imagine oh, it God. wouldn't be your favorite film, because that's that's No Land or whatever. Because you've seen it in the cinema before, the same way that I would pick Baby Teeth because I've seen it in the f- film before. Yeah. But what film? If you could see a film in the cinema, which one would you pick? Ooh, very tough question. I know to throw on you at the last minute.
1: Ooh, that is so difficult. Obviously, there are, it, it wouldn't be my favorite film. It wouldn't be even like my top ten favorite films. Because I feel like if I had to see, if I could pick any film to see in the cinema, I'd pick one that I feel would need to be seen in the cinema to make it even better, sure. and one that I've never seen in the cinema. And I'd probably have to go with something like Lawrence of Arabia.
0: Ooh, interesting. interesting. Like
1: one of those, or, or Cleopatra, one of those old, epic, history, historic, uh, films like those that are just huge in scale, I'd have to go with something like that. I'd probably land on Lawrence of Arabia. If I had more time to think about it, I'd probably change that. But for now, I'd go with Lawrence of Arabia.
0: Interesting, interesting. For myself, I, I think I probably maybe would go for one of my favourite films. Um, you know, I'm thinking maybe, maybe Blade Runner, for example, would be great. But I think if I had to pick a definitive answer, I think 2001 A Space Odyssey because yeah, i think I, I don't know if yeah i don't know if you've seen it in cinema but i know that it was re-released a couple of years ago and jordan saw it first time in cinema um, but i've not i've just watched it um, on my telly at home and the idea of watching 2001 you know on that big big screen and the best quality possible that and the sound the sound the speakers you know for, yeah. for that you know iconic music um that would really really catch me i'd, I'd love to see that film in cinema. yeah
1: that's true actually that's that's probably up there
0: i think i've I managed i managed to quite well so far i don't think i've been slurring my words too well too no bad, you've think. been quite good
1: it's unnoticeable that yeah. you're that drunk
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's good stuff okay so we're going to move on to doing our top fives of every genre now i've sent- much like I said earlier, I'm repeating the same thing I said, but if you asked us this question every week, it would be different. There are a million great films that we've never seen so far, and seeing them could instantly put them in these top five. There are films in this list that I've only seen this year. Um, and I'm sure uh, that, you know, the, def- the definition of a lot of these could uh, you know, change our list. For example, I'm giving something away early. I haven't got Forrest Gump in comedy, which arguably could be a comedy. It's one of my favourite films. But I personally see it more as a drama. So therefore, I've I've not got in there. And a lot of people could disagree with it. But I think with the major overwhelming themes of the film, I think I'd rather say it was a drama. So the only, I think generally for me, I've gone for uh, top five films with what I consider their primary... Um, like genre, with the exception of musical, which I really struggled, so I had to throw in a few things outside of other genres that maybe were mainly comedies that I threw into there. Uh, but generally, it's been more what I consider their primary genre. Now, again, ask us this question any week, and I'm sure we'd have different answers. We're going to start off with what is perhaps my favorite, if not maybe my second favorite genre: uh, sci-fi, science fiction. You know, it's that or, or thriller for me. I'm a big, big sci-fi fan. So. We'll go. Um, we'll go five, five, four, four, three, three. So we'll, we'll go each. So I'll ask you: What's your fifth favorite sci-fi film of all time, and why?
1: I really struggled with this because I had ten, and to narrow it down from ten was difficult. But my fifth favorite that I've gone with is Wally, Pixar's right, Wally. Okay.
0: Oh yeah. By the way, I'd like to make it very clear. By the way, that we've decided made a rule that you can only include each film in one category. So, for example, Wally, if he puts it fifth in science fiction, that means he can't have it in the family section, which very much applies to it as yeah. well. By the way, just making it clear. Sorry, yeah. carry on.
1: Um, what are you going next, or am I saying why?
0: No, no. no tell me why you you think oh, yeah. Wally. Uh,
1: well, I think that Wally is honestly. It sounds ridiculous when you're talking about like. A- kids pixar film but i genuinely think that it's one of the most important and well-told stories ever i think it's incredible it's a story it's an amazing story of like the way that we treat the planet and how lazy humans get and how neglectful humans can be and i mean the first like is it like the first half an hour 45 minutes don't have any speaking in it it's just music and wally um and it, it but he has such a personality and so does Eve. And you know, you I feel like we know Wally so well, even though he never speaks. And then the love story between him and Eve is so beautiful and it's so gorgeous. It's one it's probably the most stunning animated film ever. It's genuinely stunning. And just not just the, the beauty of the story and how nice the story is. But it's an important story, and to have something like that in a Pixar film that's primarily aimed at kids, is just like unbelievable. It's genuinely it's one of the best films ever. And it is a sci fi film, so I thought, well, why not put it in there? I felt I felt like I could either put it in sci fi or family and kids, and I thought I, I want I want to uh give Wally the extra dignity that it deserves and call it a sci fi film rather than a kids or family film
0: interesting interesting well i don't disagree i love wally just as much as you do i think well is an excellent excellent picture yeah. and you know spoilers it, it will be mentioned later for me um in family but um yeah i can completely see why it, it for me it says a lot more than a lot of other great excellent pixar films i think it says some of the most but it's kind of Critiques of the modern world we live in, and um, you know the environment, the way we treat it, and capitalism itself, and I think there's a, a lot that can be said for Wally. Uh, so I completely agree with that. So I'm gonna start my fifth of, and maybe a particularly, maybe slightly surprising one. This film is not particularly universally loved. Um, it did. There was an awful lot. You know that this was a very tough one for, for me as well. Um, this is. I've tried to keep to one franchise. I've tried to not go for more than one franchise in the same list. Uh, there's a cut. I think there's one or two exceptions, but generally I've not gone for like two Star Wars films or whatever. So I've, I've missed out likes of Blade Runner 2047, uh, 2049 sorry, um, or Inception, nearly made it onto the list, it didn't. Um, Looper, which I think is an excellent picture, nearly made it onto the list, but it didn't. So at fifth, I've gone for a film that came out last year, I have gone for Christopher Nolan's Tenet, right? Now, this film is not universally loved, of course. This film very much is seen uh, by a lot of people as one of Nolan's weaker films. Now, I personally strongly disagree. I think Tenet is a film that is, most importantly, very, very entertaining. Um, I think it is... Uh, it works on a number of different levels i don't think it is confusing to the point where it's like unwatchable like some people do i think it contains a lot of very strong technical aspects that i think pushes it to the, the tops of sci-fi uh the cinematography is excellent the soundtrack's excellent the acting is surprisingly good maybe kenneth branagh is a little bit you know you know over the top but other than that it's it's i i think tenet what well, for all the criticism it gets, I think *Tenet* is an excellent picture, and the the sci-fi gimmick of the inversion, I think, is used to, an, to a, a very good degree. I think that the action that it creates, especially the scenes with uh, inside the Freeport, uh, are, are excellent. I think that this is one of Christopher Nolan's best. You know, that's a controversial statement. I understand, especially with that mm. has so much of an established uh, filmography. But I, I personally. Enjoyed Tenet more than almost any of his films. I think that first scene in the opera house is one of the best f- uh, scenes of last year and one of the best sci-fi scene- scenes full stop. Um, I could watch this film a million times over. I think it's so rewatchable. And I think it's definitely set up to make a couple good sequels with uh, some of the more um, deeper dives into the background of Robert Pattinson's character. Uh, so I- I'm a big fan of Tenet. No matter how much anyone criticises it, I think Tenet's a cracking film and it hits in my number five. uh, Surprised?
1: I am surprised that it's made that far I am a lover of Tenet But I I am in that group of people I don't think it's Nolan's best Uh, And I'm surprised Mm. that it's uh, If it is the only one from Nolan on your list I'm surprised that it's the only one that's made it too
0: It's the only one that's made it in my sci-fi section It's not the only Nolan film that's made it overall It actually is probably my second favourite Nolan film Wow Um, But I really, really like Tenet Yeah I don't hate on Inception. People seem to think I hate on Inception. Inception, I, I think, is a 9 out of 10. I also think a ten is 9 out of 10 as well. It's just a slightly more enjoyable 9 out of 10. Now, of course, very controversial statement, but I just connected with it more. You know, I felt yeah. like I could fit into John David Washington's shoes a little bit more like could with Leonardo DiCaprio in Inception. And I felt like I kind of enjoyed the confusing ride a little bit more than I felt like I was dragged along Inception. Um, but again, both excellent films, and Chris Nolan is an excellent director, and his best work comes from sci-fi, I think. all so We can all agree on that. Um, but yeah. So what's your fourth favourite sci-fi film? Uh,
1: well, after... My explanation, I realised that I have made a mistake. I announced my fourth spot instead of my fifth spot. Oh,
0: so, Wal- really? Wally
1: is my fourth spot. So, I'll go back and do my fifth spot. Mm. In fifth place, right. I have what is probably a very hot take because it's very popular to hate on this film. But I recently rewatched it for the first time in a very long time and really, really enjoyed it. And that is James Cameron's Avatar
0: really yes
1: i have interesting the past year i have become an avatar stan i think it's fantastic for years i hated on it and i was like no one likes avatar it made loads of money because it was the visuals no one likes avatar and i still think that's true most people don't like avatar it only made the money because it was 3d revolutionary but it's still incredibly incredible it it's a very like overdone story Like, we've seen it so many times. Everyone uh, draws comparisons. Dancers rewards. Yeah, exactly. There are so many films that do this exact plot. Some of them do it better. But I think that Avatar does it exceptionally well and brings in that sci-fi element to it of these aliens and this alien planet. And to say that it was made in 2008, I watched it in 4K uh, a few months ago. And to say that it was made in 2008, the CGI more than stands up. The CGI... To say that they're not ju- it's not just CGI, it's one hundred percent CGI characters in one hundred percent CGI environments, and it looks photoreal and it looks better than a lot of CGI in 2020 in 2021. And that is mind blowing that this CGI I would
0: say it is it has held up remarkably well. It has. I mean, even if you if you watch think of the budget that the Hobbit had yeah. and those that CGI 10 years later like, it does not look half as good exactly like, this film came out in 2009 and oh, yeah. I, as much as i will criticize earth time it would not get close to my top five mm. the siege the the world that is created there is absolutely remarkable
1: yeah it's genuinely unbelievable and i think that is just a testament to james cameron and i think people completely underestimate him as a filmmaker because CGI is so commonplace now, but I feel like they're disregarding just how flawless the Avatar CGI is, and it's so good. But that isn't the only reason I love it. I think the characters are really good, and I think the the way that the characters have go through this arc, Zoe Saldana is unbelievable in this film. Again, to say that she plays a character who is completely CGI, she is completely motion capture. Um, it's. She's got such a solid arc, such a solid relationship with Sully, the protagonist. And there are issues with it, a lot of issues with it, but I genuinely loved it. And I thought that it was fantastic. And it was so much fun. And the action is incredibly well-directed and incredibly well-constructed. Like I said, you've got these real humans, live-action humans interacting flawlessly with these giant, completely CGI aliens, in completely cgi environments and that is unbelievable it was i was in in awe of watching it it was unbelievable and the, the story holds yeah. up as well like i said the story isn't new we've seen the story before but i think avatar sure. does it incredibly well but not as well I as think, wally um,
0: <laughs> yeah i think uh you probably convinced me and perhaps some of the listeners uh, at home to, to, uh, to want to rewatch Avatar, because maybe I haven't given it the credit it deserves in the past. Uh, but you've given it such a, an amazing review that maybe I think I deserve to get another shot with uh, a kind of more deeper analysis and see if I actually think it does stand up that, uh, that, that, you know, as, as, to as high praise as you've given it. But of course, that's your number five, not your number four. Yeah. And my but number four. I will face one thing that
1: I need to say before I carry on, because I've just forgot right. to say it as well. There is a director's cut, an extended director's cut of Avatar. Watch that instead of the theatrical cut. It's about thirty minutes longer, I think, and it's worth it. It makes it better. It actually makes the story better because the story is the weakest sure. part because it's been done so many times. And the extra sure. thirty minutes make it so much better.
0: Okay, my number four choice uh, at sci-fi for sci-fi nearly made it into the upper tiers. My kind of one, two, threes of my horror category but I really, really fought with it and I decided that I think it's a little bit more sci-fi. So I've gone for Ridley Scott's Alien. um, That came out in 1979, if I'm correct. Yes, 1979. Um, This film is, I would say, just as much a horror as it is a sci-fi film, but it does take place in space and it does have a lot of very much sci-fi concepts. Um, this film ticks all the boxes in terms of the world building that is done within a very short runtime. It creates a world of aliens, a world of robots, a world of space travel. It creates a whole host of very entertaining and believable characters. Um... Scorning really puts it in a career defining performance at a relatively young age. And it plays on an awful lot of very interesting concepts, such as the fear of male pregnancy with John Hertz, kind of a main character, and the fear of isolation, which is played into with, with this film and the later installments of the alien franchise. Uh, the cinematography is up there with any film ever made. Ridley Scotland is a, is a genius. Um, and I, I will talk about more about Ridley Scott in the coming uh, sections, because, you know, I'm obviously a big Ridley Scott fan, um, but Alien it, it's uh, an excellently made film, it uh, can understand how it must have been groundbreaking at the time, it very much sets the stage for a lot of what Ridley Scott does further on in Blade Runner and such um, I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's terrifying it's exciting, it, pro- it promotes these a lot of these very futuristic concepts that must have shocked audiences back then and still do so today, much like you just said with Avatar I would recommend the director's cut more than the original theatrical cut, um, but it's certainly just an excellent film and I can see this being, you know, appreciated for forevermore, it it's really is an excellent, excellent film
1: Yeah, I, 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 got, I got to see it, I, I'm pretty sure that Alien was the last film I saw in cinemas in 2020 um, and it was, it was great, I have to say I'm not a fan of those like 70s action films or 80s action films but I thought Alien was really really good, I did enjoy it a lot and Sig- Sigourney Weaver was incredible
0: Aliens is an action film. Alien.
1: Oh, I meant I meant alien. Horror.
0: I meant alien. Yeah. Alien. No, I'm no. You know, you did say alien, oh, but yeah. I'm saying I wouldn't say it's an action film. Oh yeah, well, yeah, that's true.
1: That's yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that.
0: Okay, what would you have thought? Are your number three?
1: Uh, my number three. Pick, I've probably ruffled a few feathers with this because I haven't chosen any of like the classic sci-fi films right. like Star Wars or mm-hmm. anything like that. Uh, I've gone with Alfonso Cuarón's *Children of Men*. Ooh. From I think it was two thousand six, two thousand seven. Um, I think *Children of Men* is a masterpiece. I think that it's, I, I think that it's Alfonso Cuarón's best film. Um, it's it's so like well done. Like the cinematography is stunning. The uh, I I don't know if you've seen it, but that famous scene in the car where it's like a five minute long take where they don't cut the cameras and they're inside a car and the camera is swiveling around and moving around inside the car as lots of chaos is going on outside is genuinely stunning. The cinematography by Emmanuel Lebeski who won the Oscar for Best Cinematography three times in a row for Gravity, The Revenant and Birdman um, is incredible again this i think this is his best work as well i don't think that birdman is i think birdman is just the long take thing but
0: i th- i think that um i think i guess it's a bold comment but i think that sci-fi is is the genre that rests so str- the most strongly on cinematography yeah i think that there's something so organic about cinematography that that needs to be perfect to yeah kind of it's the, it's the idea that sci-fi is so unbelievable that to present the lens that which we see through as so you know perfect that like our minds could comprehend it in the best way it, it really does you know yeah. this is the genre that needs the best cinematography
1: I agree completely if you don't have like good cinematography especially because a lot of sci-fi film I mean I don't think children of men is in particularly one of them but a lot of them are kind of otherworldly and crazy and you have to make that look real and believable and beautiful as well um, but children of men in a way in fact no I agree with children of men with what you've just said uh, about children of men as well because it's a dystopian world and you have to make something that's dystopian and dark and inherently bad you have to make it look pretty and you have to make it look beautiful and this does it incredibly well I think it's got some great performances in it from... Uh, Julian Moore, and uh, what's his name? I can't remember his name. The lead. Uh, Clive Owen, that's it, Clive Owen. Clive Owen's great in this. It's it's so good. It's uh, I don't know if you know what it's about or if you've seen it, but it's... Yeah, I've not seen it. It's amazing. It's about a world where people can't, humans can't reproduce because of male infertility. Um, and it's about really having a lack of hope because, you know, the film argues, and the book on which it's based argues, that um, hope, we only have hope because of the future. We hope for the future, and if there's not another generation, then there's no future, and we can't have hope. And it explores that theme so well, and it's so well odd there's a lot of religious themes in it as well, and I'm not religious, but I can understand when religion is done well in a theme, in a film, and it's done exceptionally well here. And this is Alfonso Cuaron, who's one of the best working directors, in my opinion, at his best. This is just flawless.
0: Okay. I'm going to have to ask you to be a little bit quicker as we go along because we're taking so long on each section. Okay, that's fine. Um, (laughs) Okay, so moving on to number three, I have... Gone for one of the big ones. I felt like there needs to be one of the big cheesy genres uh, represented, and I have gone for the best of the Star Wars franchise. I've gone for my number three pick of best sci-fi film of all time. Goes for Star Wars: The Empire Strikes Back. Now. I have been on record of, of saying that I think there are more bad Star Wars films than good ones. Uh, I'm extremely critical of the prequel trilogy. I'm not a big fan of The Force Awakens. Uh, you know, I've not really... I don't like Return of the Jedi that much. I've been kind of very critical on a lot of Star Wars films before. Um, however, I think that The Empire Strikes Back is... Um, an absolute masterpiece, and perhaps is uh, underrated by film, you know, aficionados, um, by the fact that he is in one of these kind of big, you know, overall, you know, cheesy Disney genres, um, from being, like, it's not represented as the actual masterpiece of, of film, which it actually is. Uh, I think uh, that Empire Strikes Back stands out as one of the greatest films ever made, and I think that it comes from, you know, as I said, the, one of the most key things in science fiction, more so than other genres is the the world building, because it's, you know, otherworldly by nature um, but Empire Strikes Back within its rather short run time of course helped by the excellent world building in the first film um, you know, creates these, these amazing planets and you know, of course uh, Hoth which is kind of the primary uh, setting of the early parts of Empire Strikes Back is kind of iconic and wonderful and beautiful, so is excellent and whilst having a very short run time much like the first film um, the character of Darth Vader remains iconic and a lot of his best stuff is here, um, I think that Maybe retrospectively, people have called Mark Hamill's performances as wooden uh, and said that, you know, like despite how good Star Wars is, that he's not one of the betters. I think Mark Hamill is excellent in this film. I think that, that so is Harrison Ford. I think so is, um, you know... Carrie Fisher, so is everyone in this cast it really is a career best for George Lucas when it comes to writing it's a career best for almost every one of the cast members aside from Harrison Ford when it comes to, to the acting and I think that the, the, the music is iconic, it really is essentially pretty much flawless here um, and I think is the strongest of one of the most iconic genres uh, that we've ever seen
1: Yeah, I would pretty much agree with everything you just said I just didn't put it in for no reason <laughs>
0: Sure, sure, sure. Again, as I said a million times, if we did this review, if we did this list every week, we'd have an yeah. answer. But this is just what I'm feeling on the 23rd of uh, June. Yeah. I forgot what month it was there. It is June. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with pretty much everything you said about Star Wars there. But my second spot is... And I, this, I've also gone in my second spot for one of the big classic ones, 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's just like...
0: That's your number three pick or number two pick? It's number number two pick. Number two, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like it's just one of the classics. I don't even feel like it needs too much explaining. <laughs> I feel like I should probably come out in here and say my number two pick is also two thousand one space. Obviously. Oh
1: wow, that's that's coincidental. <laughs> but yeah, I don't even know like where to begin. It's so up- <laughs> like it's just like so unbelievable. It, it honestly, the first time I saw it, I could not believe that it was made in the sixties. It looks like a modern right. film. It's unbelievable yeah. how good this is. The production design, the sets, the costumes, the technology that they use to make this is unbelievably good. It's so modern. It's so it's held up so well, and the the themes that run throughout of humans and evolution is just unbelievable. I don't even know like where to stop or even start. It's that good. It's just. Of course, it's 2001. Obviously, it's going to be on this list.
0: Right. Yeah. Same. I mean, (laughs) I've only saw 2001 for the first time this year. Um, I was very new to Kubrick. I'd only seen The Shining. Uh, I bought the Kubrick box set, and I've been watching through, and more Kubrick will come up on this list. Um, But Standing, you know, watching it one by one and seeing the progression of this absolutely otherworldly director—it's insane the leaps he makes. Not like films are worse, but the leaps between genres that he makes, going from Lolita, which is a kind of str- kind of strange, you know, slightly comedy kind of tragic drama, mm. towards a comedy in Doctor Strange Love, and then to arguably one of, well, I think the second best sci-fi film ever made. Onto whatever *A Clockwork Orange* is, um, but do- 2001, it you know it's the only Oscar that Stanley Kubrick ever won. that's visual effects, and very much understandably, so it looks absolutely excellent. It stands up, um, you know, however many years on. I (laughs) I saw somebody um, at the train station with a like a uh, a raincoat with his whole like the whole back of it was just the uh, a picture of um, the the like the corridor scene from uh, 2001 yesterday thing. It's iconic and it's beautiful and it deserves to be seen on the as I said earlier on the bigger screen and the best quality. Hmm. Um, And as a story, it sums up the entirety of human existence back from our you know evolution into human humanity from from apes up until. That you know the, the next stage, the final frontier in an amazing story that kind of is a number of small mini stories um people go to too maybe too much extent trying to work out exactly what it means. but I think this film is works so well on vibes, you know it just gives off a perfect. Um, feeling of what it is to be human and what and to search for more, um, and you know it's helped by you know astounding cinematography, outstanding visual effects, and some really good performances uh, by Keo Delea and, um, and and I've got his name Bowman, uh, but yeah, and probably maybe the best soundtrack ever. Uh, it's just a great film. It's yeah. really, really is a good yeah. film. I forgot even I forgot uh, to mention me the, the soundtrack um, and the uh, Velcro shoes, of course. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to number one. Now, you'll go first, but I'm assuming you can probably guess what my number one is, but I'll let you go first.
1: Yeah, I purposely omitted what your number one is because I knew that it would be your number one. So I thought there's no is point in us both doing it. <laughs> right. Uh, but my number one is pro- possibly a hot take because a lot of people hate this because of the ending, but I've gone with Christopher Nolan's Interstellar. I think right. it's Christopher Nolan's best. I think it's got some unbelievable performances from all of the cast, from Matthew McConaughey. Um, I've forgotten her name, but the woman who's in it, who's in Molly's Game, I can't remember her name, but her. It sounds like you're Googling it.
0: Uh, Well, the main girl from Molly's Game? Yeah. Jessica Chastain. That's it, yes,
1: Jessica Chastain. Uh, Jessica Chastain and Matthew McConaughey. Michael Caine is great in it. Casey Affleck is great in it. Everyone is great in it. The story is unbelievable. I think this is his best use of time and best exploration of time the scene where Matthew McConaughey watches years and years of messages for him it's only been like an hour but for everyone else it's been years one of the most heartbreaking scenes ever Hans Zimmer's score is unbelievable the VFX are next level and the cinematography is just perfect this is to me the epitome of a sci-fi film this does what 2001 did and i know this is a controversial take but to me it takes it one step further and gives us a modern 2001 i think this is will go down as one of the best sci-fi films ever made i think in 50 years people will be talking about interstellar in the same way that we talk about 2001 i was lucky enough to see it in imax last year mm-hmm. and it was just even i'd never seen it in imax i would seen it in cinema and i would seen it many times on tv but i would never seen it in imax and it just elevated it even more it's Unbelievable. And I love it.
0: Yeah, it's a film that I hear compared to 2001 very often. And I think it's probably one of the only ones that deserved it. So I'm excited to watch it in 4K when I buy the box set later on this year. Yeah. But yeah, I guess that's not too much of a surprise. When I think, I think it's Jordan's favorite film. Of course, a former co-host. I think it's very familiar with Stella. Um, but yeah, and, and, uh, fair enough. And, uh, nobody is surprised to hear that my number one is Ridley Scott's Blade Runner, the <laughs> 1982 classic. Um, I am obsessed with the world of Blade Runner. I own all the comics about the history past Blade Runner. I own a, about four books about the making of blade runner um i am a blade runner fanatic and i love the second film i love 2049 and i probably know more about 2049 but i am more of a fan of the original i think blade runner is the perfect sci-fi film i think that it it for me it does i think that the, what i consider the best for films what really really puts an impact on me um, is when films resonate with me after I leave the cinema, when after I watch the film, and when I really have a thing. And I, When I first watched Blade Runner, I didn't stop thinking about Blade Runner for two, three weeks. I reviewed Blade Runner, and I gave it a 9 out of 10 on the podcast. That was not even good enough. When I read it on the podcast, I wasn't thinking straight. It's not a 9 out of 10. It's a definitive 10 out of 10 film. <laughs> this is the film, most obviously, where you have to watch the director's cut. In this case, it's obviously the final cut. The, original, the theatrical cut is a lot worse, I will say, with the narration. But the character, the world of, um, well, the the 2019 Los uh, Los Angeles is beautiful and depressing. It's a perfect mixture between uh, utopia and dystopia with this amazing sci fi world, but with some really um, obvious uh, flaws and problems and pollution. Um, The acting, I think this is Harrison Ford's best film, and for an actor so uh, established, that is a you know, extreme uh, praise. Um I think that, you know, this this film, uh I'll say that the the character of um of oh, shit, I'm obviously I'm pissed. Uh, the character <laughs> of Roy who's played by Gahar. Uh, is, you know, one of the perfect anti-heroes and his monologue will forever live on as one of the great movie lines ever. Uh, his talk of tears and in, in rain. Sean Young as the love interest is excellent. And this discussion between what it means to be human, uh, you know, a million films, it's one of the most talked about subjects in film, but no film really gets to the heart of what it means to be human than Blade Runner. And those lines from there, um, live on, you know, thing, the, the concept of, um, you know, the memories that make you being a thing. And, you know, that, that line that forever lives on in my head is actually not the tears and rain line. It's, it's afterwards when um, it's uh, uh, Edward James... Almost his character turns around and says, um, too bad she won't live, but then again, who does? And both in that line, you realize the fit, the, the, the you know, the meaning of the story unlocks the plot. You go, oh! but also, you know, it makes you think, who does live? You know, you know, it thinks that, you know, just because she isn't a human, uh, that is not what it means to be human. It's not fresh or blood or brains that make us human. It's our experiences and our lives and, and, and how we, decides to to walk the earth that really defines what it is to be a human Uh, I think that Blade Runner has made me from a casual film observer to a film fan more than any film uh, I've ever seen, and I will forever run its praise, It, um, it is, um, oh, the name is, it is, v- v- Vangelis produces one of the most excellent scores you ever hear, uh, and Blade Runner B- Blues, which is played during that scene in which um, uh, the the main character, Harrison Ford, shoots a replicant, is one of the greatest films ever made, and I'll forever run the praise of this film, it is excellent, and everyone go watch the final cut of Blade Runner now, it's the best sci-fi film ever made.
1: Yeah, I probably would have Man, had it on, uh, somewhere on my list, but I thought it's definitely going to be your number one, so you'll do it better than just... I could, so... Yeah.
0: <laughs> we've, talked we've talked 45 minutes about just sci-fi films. I don't know how the fuck we're going to get a podcast yeah. out of this. We'll we're going to have to...
1: We could do two parts.
0: Yeah, we'll do two parts. We'll do two parts. This will be released in two parts, everyone. I'm putting that out now, because this will be too long otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So... What's next? Moving... Moving on to horror films. Horror. So, I'm going to start with this one. Horror was very tough. Um, I was actually considering putting out a 2021 film with this list, but I just missed the grade. There are a number of other great horror films that I haven't included, such as The Invisible Man or St. Maud, which could have been on the list. His House, which we reviewed last year. Uh, it you know, the the more recent adaptation, uh, and its sequel, which I thought was very underrated, uh, all could have on my list they didn't. But number five for me is Carrie, uh, which is an excellent picture from uh, uh, Brian De Palma. Um, And I think that Carrie, whilst it isn't the most terrifying, you know, it came in 1976, so it doesn't hold up as one of the most scary films because of modern, you know, what what we used to with the amount of, you know, jump scare films this year. But it has uh, excellent cinematography and the scene at the, which is super iconic of the scene at the at the prom uh, with the blood. Uh, that holds up as one of the best scenes in horror ever. It, it ends off with an excellent uh, jump scare, which I definitely wasn't prepared, prepared to. And for someone at such a young age, uh, Sissy Spatek, uh, Spatek, I'm not sure. I've always
1: okay. thought it was Spacek, S- but i have no idea
0: right puts in an absolutely excellent performance as, as the lead and a film which is so focused on them and definitely does what a lot of you know the best horror films does which is uh, asks questions about uh, you know morality or in this case um religion you know it really puts a light onto religion and and the, the details of that so i think carrie for me is the number five as the best one of the five best horror films of all time uh, yeah
1: i do agree with you on that it's, it's great. Uh, this category for me was very easy because I don't like horror films so I've only ever seen like six horror films so this was a very easy category for me because I literally just wrote the ones down that I've seen all of which are very good Uh, so I've got in fifth place A Quiet Place which I only saw a few weeks ago Right, Um, and we have spoken about it a lot so I will be very quick Um, Mm
0: -hmm. A
1: Quiet Place for me is fantastic it's one of the best films I've seen recently Um, and I said I I spoke about this and when we covered it properly Uh, the way that it knew when to be silent it knew when to be quiet when to have score when to have noise and the way that it uses cinematography as well um, you know when you can't tell the audience things with words and with audio you have to show us with the visuals so the way that the cinematography doesn't just look nice it also serves a purpose it's so impressive, and I genuinely thought that it was, it genuinely blew me away. So I was very impressed by it. And if you want to know more, go and listen to the episode where we spoke about A Quiet Place for, like, an hour.
0: <laughs> sure. Okay. Moving on to part number four. We are an yet another, much like Carrie, uh, we got yet another Stephen King-inspired uh, film. Uh, we have uh, Stanley Kubrick who of course i think we can tell is my favorite director um stanley kubrick's the shining starring jack nicholson um so the shining is what do i need to talk about the shining it, the Shining* is obviously appreciated forevermore as one of the great horror films ever made um it, it has a performance by DeVal that very much defies opinion whether it is awful or excellent i am in the excellent camp um it, it Asks questions and leaves questions in the viewer's mind, which is one of the best things that horror films can do. I think, I generally think that Jack Nelson puts in one of the best individual performances in movie history here. I think Jack Nelson is absolutely splendid showing this kind of conflicted character. And, um, yeah, absolutely excellent film, um, absolutely excellent screenplay. You know, it's, you know, really presents the feeling of isolationism in that, that hotel and that feeling of no escape. The snowy atmosphere is very much built up very well and has a lot of, you know, very iconic images which have inspired an unbelievable lot of, of uh, conspiracy theories in the future. You can go back and listen to our reviews of The Shining, uh, which is one of our first episodes uh, with Johnny and Jordan, but I actually have since improved, I've since thought that you know, Shining has gone up my expectations since that film, uh, since that review, sorry, and I think it's the fourth best horror film ever made.
1: Um, What's your number four? I agree, it's The Shining. That's my number four as well. This might be a very really? quick category, because uh, maybe we'll agree on these, because The Shining is also my number four. I agree with everything that you said. I think it's unbelievably iconic. The performance is fantastic. I also believe that Shelley Duvall gives one of the best horror performances ever. Uh, I think that she deserves an Oscar just for what she put up with on set, let alone her performance. She had to do like that take of her walking up the stairs like 200 times and uh, it's just insane. Uh, It's iconic, it's fantastic, it's tense, it's one of the many many films that scares me but this is one of the scariest for me and i don't like horror films so that's not saying much uh, but yeah i agree with everything that you said i think it's uh, one of kubrick's best it's just incredible
0: very very nice okay moving on to three is probably my most controversial pick of the category um i have gone for the 2012 film who was directed by james watkins uh, the Woman in Black starring Daniel Radcliffe. Wow. Now this film isn't received particularly well. This isn't a film that has ever seen on list of best horror films. Um, however, it is one that is very much held dear to me. It's the first film that properly shat me up um, <laughs> and I've watched it a million times. It's one of the films I've seen the most times in my life. Um, I think Daniel Radcliffe puts in a performance better than any performance he puts in in the Harry Potter franchise here. I think that Kieran Hines is an excellent supporting actor. He provides a very, very interesting story which takes a few unexpected expected twists I think it is very genuinely scary and of all the, the films that are generally out there to actually prod and scare you akin to that of The Conjuring or whatever I think this is the greatest of those I really really think that it is harrowing and cold and fundamentally British and I think it is definitely an ode to some of those great hammer horror pictures of the 70s uh, I think The Woman Black is an excellent picture and I definitely think that any horror fan should go out there to go see it maybe it's underestimated by both of Horror community and the general film community, but it will always hold a very dear place in my heart. I think that *Wonder Black* is excellent.
1: Um, well, I don't agree on that, <laughs> but uh, fair right. enough. <laughs> okay, have you seen *Wonder Black*? Like? Uh, I have seen *Wonder Black*. I watched it when it, when I was in school. It got put on in the middle of a science lesson, and I was terrified. Uh, but I had to sit right. through it, uh, and I didn't like it very much. <laughs>
0: but it did terrify you
1: it did terrify me yeah, but it really doesn't take much to ta- I can't emphasise how little it takes to scare me <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're like but we, I watched it on my own and I'm happy I watched it on my own first because if I watched it in school I would have been so busy like being the hard man that I would never appreciate <laughs> yeah. it but I do have fond memories of bullying Keris Funny enough in a science lesson as well when they put it on yeah so.
1: you would have absolutely bullied me because I was terrified <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, I always feel sad that I didn't meet at school so I could have bullied you because you seem like the perfect target. You
1: definitely would have bullied me in school.
0: Michael Jackson's thriller <laughs> nearly made it on the list, by the way. What a fan. <laughs> Carry on. Uh,
1: are we on to number three? We're on to number three. Uh, yeah, my sure number is. three is Silence of the Lambs. Um.
0: Now, this is a film that I was genuinely considering putting on the list, but I thought that I'd leave it and put it on a thriller list in a follow up episode if we do more. Because I think I personally think it's more of a thriller, but Science of Lambs is an absolutely exceptional picture.
1: Yeah, I think I agree. It is, it is more of a thriller, but it's still a horror film. And my picks when it comes to sure, horror definitely. are very limited. So <laughs> we may have to waive the rules a little bit. Um, but yeah, Science of Lambs, it's genuinely one of the best films ever made it's stunning The Anthony Hopkins with like 15 minutes of screen time became one of the most iconic characters ever in cinema let alone villains let alone horror characters just one of the most iconic characters ever with 15 minutes he won an Oscar for lead actor with less than 15 minutes unbelievable mm-hmm. Jodie Foster is mm-hmm. fantastic you know Clarice Starling is like this feminist icon and you know Jodie Foster portrays it perfectly and the acting is great the tension is great the final scene with the night vision goggles like again it doesn't take much to have me scared but I was terrified I was watching it on the edge of my seat and I got I saw it in the cinema last year as well at Halloween so I was properly terrified because it was a dark room during Halloween it was scary Um it, it's genuinely just fantastic the cinematography is great the score is great the writing is great And the ending is also fantastic. It has one of the best closing lines of any film ever where a cannibal says, I can't talk right now. I'm having a friend for dinner. And that is just the best closing line ever. Um, And I think it's the third best horror film ever made of the ones that I've seen, which is admittedly limited.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. Number two. I have a film which I guess many people will consider a s- thriller but I think you've got to appreciate just how fucking scary this must have been at the time right? I have at my number uh, two spot I have Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho um, and Ooh. this film of course is extremely iconic um, and stars um, the- Janet Leigh as the-, the lead Um, going into to meet Anthony Perkins is extremely iconic Norman Bates now I watched this in 4k uh, very recently but most importantly with the new updated director's cut which is the first time it's been seen since it was uh, released in the cinema in 1960 um, and which even which made the film even better to me I think that you're talking about a really really original concept back in 1960 you're talking about exceptional cinematography you're talking about a really really interesting story which probably was one of the first times that you can talk about it really uh, a film really switching the lead. You know, this is really this really kind of gaslights you into thinking the main story is about Janet Lee, and then halfway through it flips to Anthony Perkins. That must have been a very original concept at the time. I think this is uh, probably I think even better than than. Um, than I talked about with Jack Nilsson, this might be one of, if not the best performance um, from a male actor ever um, in Anthony Perkins, who absolutely just nails the role. Uh, It has probably the most iconic scene in cinema history in the shower. Would you agree? That's probably the most iconic scene ever. yeah. And I think it, it deserves all the praise it's given. Of course, it maybe misses number one based on the fact that the last couple sees the film and <laughs> just them spouting exposition <laughs> and just going, Oh, this is what he did. Cause he's such a psycho. And this is what he did. And this is what he, did. okay, that makes it drag a little bit better. But the, it is one of the times where that, um, you truly care as much about the main plot as the side plot. And the side plot is so interesting. And all the performances are excellent. And Alfred Hitchcock at his best, psycho is my number two.
1: Uh, yeah, I agree with everything that you said. My number two pick is Jordan Peele's Get Out. Uh, mm. It takes a lot to get me to go and see a horror film. I only ever go and see that. As you can probably tell from this list, these are all like very famous, very iconic horror films because I'll only go and see it if I feel like it's... If it's something that I feel like I need to see. And Get Out was definitely that. All of the buzz that was around it. Everyone talking about it. All the awards that it was winning. I was like, I am missing out on a big piece of pop culture here. I need to go and see it. And it didn't let me down. I didn't watch it in cinema. And I'm glad because that would, it would have scared me. Um <laughs> <laughs> But I saw it at home in the daylight on Netflix. And uh, it was just incredible. Daniel Kaluuya gives one of the best performances in a horror film, I think, ever. Jordan Peele's screenplay is just fantastic, and his direction, it's his debut film, is Get Out. That is an impressive feat. Um, You know, the themes that are running through it, of everything that, especially what was going on at the time, it's a very modern, timely horror film, and I, I personally think that films are scarier and films are better, where the real horror is people, like humans that actually exist. Obviously, Get Out, people don't actually do that, but, you know, people like that who have those attitudes do exist. The racism that runs throughout Get Out is real, and people do think that. So to have that made in the way that it was, technically, it was just flawless. The cinematography is great. I think it has some of the best editing in, in a film of recent years. It's genuinely just stunning, perfect, perfect. I loved it so much. I genuinely did not expect to love it as much as I did. It's great.
0: I'm interested in what your number one is. Uh, my number one is Jordan Peele's Get Out. Uh, I think I think Get Out is the best horror film i ever made. Uh, it's definitely not the scariest. 100% not the scariest. Yeah, it's not it's a not. particularly scary film at all. Well, I was um, scared. <laughs> were you? Yeah. I, I guess that's not that hard. I imagine, like, you know, that... Um, Clifford the Big Red Dog will, will scare you when yeah. that comes out. Hotel Transylvania um, is my number one spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have been on record, and I've given a lot of superlatives um, saying, you know, Jack Nicholson's best performance of all time. And I said, oh, actually, you know, maybe and Pocas is... This is a very different thing, but it's also another one of high praise. I think, I've said it a few times, I think Daniel Kaluuya is the best actor in the world right now, right? Wow. So... Uh, current stand in 2021 if i was to book any actor to any role i want daniel kaluuya because i think he is the best right now i think you know of, of modern actors um you know people like tom hanks who I, I think tom hanks is the best actor of all time you know he's obviously part, a little bit past his prime and you know he's not particularly a modern actor he's a veteran now um Anthony hopkins i think daniel kaluuya is the best actor working on right now uh and this is his best work so far you know it's up there with judas um, but at Get Out is an absolutely exceptional do de- 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 directorial debut from Jordan Peele. I agree with almost everything you said. Uh, it is chilling, and it presents. And it's like the, the, what is so good about the message of racism here is that it's not a Confederate flag wa- ra- um, mm. waving racist, uh, a demonised Trump supporter racist. It is the liberal. It is the um, you know that is the I'm not racist I just I vote. I would have voted for Barack yeah, for a third that, of that is one of the best lines term ever term if I could <laughs> yeah and of course as someone that is a left wing white person who think it makes you think you know what am I doing wrong here um, it is you know it, it shines a light on people that you know in, of that Type and it presents a. I think actually some of the supporting performances are completely underrated. Alison Williams is absolutely exceptional in this film. Mm. But hasn't got top tier work since. Yeah. Um. You know, she she's absolutely unbelievable in this film. And whilst it's not particularly a, afford- I'm not saying it's it's not all about him. But it's funny how well Lakeith Stanfield is known for this film and how iconic Lakeith Stanfield is for maybe less than two minutes of of yeah. three minutes of screen time. I didn't time. even realise it was um, him
1: for a long time.
0: If I tell, if I said to some, well, if I say to a friend that isn't a particularly filmy person, right, which is a lot of my friends, most of my films aren't particularly like into films, you know, I'm, I'm definitely the most into films of anyone I know. If I were to talk to them about, um, of course, other than the internet, of course, um, hmm. about Keith Stanfield, my number one thing I'd say is, you know, the guy in Get Out where he says, get out to it. Yeah. <laughs> like that is what Keith Stanfield is probably most known for to the casual man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's scary and it's, it's modern and it's, it's, it's excellent. It's just, it's, One of the best horror films ever made. I think it's the best horror film ever made, Uh, and it's almost flawless. I think it's one of the. I think I gave it a ten out of ten on the podcast. Um, I particularly, I might have some small issues with the end, certainly to Psycho, but I think it is uh, a very apt, a very current, and a very important story that is told in a funny way, a scary way, and in a way best done by the actors provided. Also, this is not the first time that Catherine Keener will appear on the list, or last time that Catherine (laughs) Keener will appear on the list.
1: Uh, yeah I completely agree I I love Get Out a lot Um, but my number one spot
0: I'm very curious
1: my number one spot is Gus Van Sant's 1998 Psycho remake with Vince Vaughn
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you you have it uh. <laughs> right okay what is it actually um, Then
1: it's the original psycho alfred hitchcock's psycho oh okay uh, okay which okay, is so one and two mixes yeah, flipped because your second is my first and my second is your first um, sure but yeah sure. pretty much everything you said about psycho i should echo um it was it, it, like you say, it's, it's not scary anymore, even for me. It's not scary. It was made in the 60s. But at the time, it was terrifying. There is terrifying. A haunting shot. And I don't, want to oh, give
0: yeah. any, any, I don't want to give any spoilers to someone that hasn't actually seen Psycho. Because you know, even though it is one of the most iconic films of all time, not that many people have seen that many 60s films these yeah. days because they don't get shown on the telly as much. But the scene of his mother when you first see his mother, is absolutely haunting. Yeah, I mean, the way it's shot, it's just one of those exceptional individual shots ever for me.
1: Yeah, and it is... Everything about it is flawless. And the, the shot of Anthony Perkins' face at the end, that one, again... Is just mm, Anthony Perkins. Mm, mm. Uh, you, know, you spoke about it and I've spoken about it before. Anthony Her- Perkins... Per- I keep calling him Anthony Hopkins in my head. Anthony Perkins huh. genuinely gives one of the best performances ever. Um, I can't yeah. remember if we're talking about this after we recorded or during the recording last week, but he plays this man who seems so kind and so... Yeah, com- yeah, so kind and sweet and innocent, but so psycho at the same time. And it's so... It's unbelievable, like, because we know what's going on, especially because, like, everyone knows that he's the killer. Spoilers, but everyone knows that about Psycho. Um, (laughs) That's not really a spoiler because everyone knows that. (laughs) Um, You know, especially because we know that when we're watching it, it's like, oh, it's so creepy when, when she goes into his office and he makes her a sandwich and he's sat there and talking to her and there are owls and, you know, things stuffed and it's like we're all watching it and it's so creepy and we're on edge and then like you said the decision to kill off the lead halfway through was just revolutionary and I got to see it on the big screen last year and it was even better, that iconic scene in the shower with the the not just the most iconic scene but the most iconic film score ever that moment, the screeching yeah, yeah, of the yeah. strings well it's up
0: there with Jaws I'd say yeah. those two.
1: the most iconic score ever, that individual bit was unbelievable in the cinema speakers it was haunting and creepy and terrifying and it like you know it it got under your skin that bit of the score because it's such a screech and it's unbelievable and it's also the first time an american film depicted a flushing toilet so that is why it's my number one
0: (laughs) really yeah really that's nice i like that (laughs) moving okay very nice so we're moving on to the opposite of horror, really, which is comedy. Um, so I'll let you start with uh, your number five at comedy.
1: Now, I love comedy, but I really struggled with this category because I like a lot of stupid comedies like Melissa McCarthy comedies. But... I couldn't say that they were the best. (laughs) So I really struggled with this. Uh, So my first spot, I went with a film that I saw for the first time last year and it's really famous and everyone says, oh, this film is great. It's great. And I'd never seen it. So I went to see it in the cinema because it got re-released and that is Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I...
0: Right. I've never seen it. I've never seen it.
1: Oh, you should go and see it. It's been re-released in Dolby like this past week. You should definitely go and see it. Um it's unbelievable, it's so funny, one of the few films that actually makes me laugh out loud, well all of these do because they're my top ones but it makes me laugh out loud and it's so well done, Edgar Wright this is, Edgar Wright very quickly became one of my favourite directors in the past few years where I just binged everything that he's done and this is my favourite of his it's so funny, the way that Edgar Wright does visual comedy especially in this is hilarious and Michael Cera as usual plays this really awkward teenage boy but it's completely contrasted with the fight scenes because he's like a video game character so he's super strong and super powerful and it's it's really funny it has really funny moments and it has really like iconic moments as well like the fighting in this scene in this film is so iconic and interesting it's shot like a video game fight and it's so much fun to watch it's an absolute blast and it's so funny as well it made me laugh a lot i love it the 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 decision to film it and have like comic book panels coming out, like they're playing the drums and you can see like words pop up on the screen, like bang and stuff like that. It's just brilliant.
0: This was my hardest category. Like, legitimately, I had so many drafts of this. I had Kajillionaire was in it until just now. I just dropped Kajillionaire whilst we yeah. it. recording. I love Little Miss Sunshine Ooh, just yeah. dropped it. You know, Re- there's so many excellent. Hot Truman Show, Jojo Rabbit, so many that I just nearly got in there that didn't. Me too. So this is my toughest category. I'm really, really a, a comedy fan, but I have I have finalised on a f- top five that I would definitely, I say this is definitely one I'd give you a different answer every day because I've got so many alike. like and a comedy is such a personal thing but number five, I have Edgar Wright's Shaun of the Dead
1: oh that was um, mine as well yeah. I had that very close
0: yeah, everyone talks about the, the Cornetta trilogy, this is my favourite everyone talks yeah. about Hot Fives, this is my favourite I own a signed copy of the uh, script of um, Shaun of the Dead um which I am almost certain is fake. I'm pretty sure it's fake. <laughs> but anyway, Shaun of the Dead is just exceptional. It has it's an, a beautiful critique of the zombie genre, whilst also being an excellent critique on Britain itself. Um, it's it's got an exceptional soundtrack. It has hilarious, hilarious lines throughout from Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Um, I think that it, it's it's. Both a parody in the best way, and it stands up on its own right. Uh, I think Sean Dead is an absolutely exceptional picture, um, and it's definitely it was on my it was in my um, uh, Desert Island DVDs last year. Maybe it wouldn't be now. Uh, maybe I would it dropped a few spots now, but I can see why I put it in there because it's just such a fun film. So many iconic lines, and uh, yeah, definitely one of the best ever. i would also say that my favourite comedy film ever. I've not put on here because I don't actually consider it a film my favourite funniest film I, I've uh, for me the one I've seen the most times one I most love most is Futurama Bender's Big Score. that would be number one <laughs> but it's a TV movie so I don't think it really counts Yeah. but that is my favourite it's the best Futurama episode ever but it is a film it released on DVD it is a film but it was released on telly in four parts so I, it doesn't count that would be my number one by the way So, <laughs> but yeah Sean of Dead is my number five well, that's your, what's your number four?
1: Uh, my number four is also a film that I saw for the first time last year and that is Olivia Wilde's Booksmart I watched it and I was very very impressed with how funny it was it was it genuinely again and it's gonna sound like this happens all the time because these are my favorite comedy films but I do I very rarely actually laugh out loud at comedy films and Booksmart made me laugh out loud in the cinema it was very very funny the performances are great the I think this is Olivia Wilde's debut as well, which makes it even more impressive. It's got one of the funniest uh, and most, but most intelligent screenplays. The cinematography is great. It's such a, a good, um, like, representation of what it means to be uh, a kid who's just graduating from school and going to college. I say kid, like, you know, almost an adult, but, you know, like 17, 18.
0: Sure. But, sure, um, sure. you
1: know, a young person who's finished high school and is going to college or university and that feeling of like this is the last time that we'll all be together doing this like we have been for the past five years and this is the last time that it happens and it's it's like a big blowout to all of these people and it's hilarious and it's so heartfelt and it's genuinely one of my favourite films and it's definitely one of my favorite comedies it made me laugh a lot but it didn't just make me laugh it made me feel things as well which is even better
0: lovely stuff okay and number 4 i have a film which didn't i don't think is amazingly funny now it is definitely funny but it's definitely hard to make a film from this far back, like laugh out loud now, but I think is one of the best films I've ever seen that is considered a comedy. The same thing will happen at number one, I don't think it's hilarious, but it's one of the best films that's considered a comedy. On my number four spot, I have the best title ever. Doctor Strange Love, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Now, this is not the third uh, Stanley Kubrick film on the list for me, um, and spoilers: the last. Um, but Stanley Kubrick uh, produces. Uh, everyone says this, that little Strange Love is, is Stanley Kubrick's only comedy. I would disagree. I think that Lolita is a comedy as well, despite the fact that it's got serious, you know, subject matter. Uh, Doctor Strange Love, however, is an excellent tale, and it's amazing that. It's a film about the nuclear holocaust and the fears of the Cold War that is it's amazing that it was made right in the bang in the middle in 1964 someone only Stanley Kubrick could have the bollocks to make a film like this. Um, Peter Sellers puts in an absolutely unbelievable performance as three different characters. He plays Lionel Mandrake, he plays the President, and he plays Doctor Strangelove, who is an unbelievably iconic character. George C. Scott is at the same character that he always is, this amazing, angry, you know, leader. So does Sterling Hayden. It, it's top, top performances. It's so surprisingly funny, this, you know, 55 years on. Um, and, you know, it tells a very, very apt and very, very consistent, you know, still relevant story of the fears of a nuclear war and, and big war, and is essentially uh, the most hilarious time capsule we'll ever find. Yeah. What's, what's yours next?
1: I, I agree with that. And I also want to shout out to Dr. Strangelove. Like I was saying earlier, Science of the Lambs has one of the most iconic lines. Dr. Strangelove also has the, uh, you can't find here, this is the war room. And that always yes, yeah, just yeah, completely makes me laugh. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, my number three is probably the least comedy one on here, but it is still a comedy, and that is the Coen Brothers' *The Big Lebowski*. Um,
0: it's uh, that's my that's your number three. Yeah, that's my number three
1: as well. Oh, that is interesting. Uh, I think that it's great. I think it's some of the Coen brothers' best work. It's they've. I've always found them funny, and I find everything that they do funny. But in The Big Lebowski, it felt like the first time that they were trying to be funny, and they sure. completely pulled it off. And Jeff Bridges and John Goodman are brilliant. You know, Jeff Bridges is the dude is. Like the one of the yeah. most iconic things ever, um, and it, it makes me laugh so much. But it's 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 got it's one of the few comedy films where the plot isn't comedy. It's a film about crime and ethics.
0: Um, it's the same plot as every single character. Yeah. <laughs> but it. But done in the comedy way.
1: Yeah, it's done in an in an even more comedy way because it, it's so intelligently funny as well. It's not just slapstick funny it's it's i genuinely love it it's one of one of my favorite i love the coen brothers and it's like top three coen brothers it's brilliant
0: yeah i I agree i I think that um it's an absolutely exceptional picture we read it on the podcast earlier this year i was a much much bigger fan than jordan who didn't really get it but i guess this is to do with the size of his brain but it has yes jeff bridges puts in a, a one of his best roles. It's it's just so funny. Um, I think you know. So it's it's the only time that Coen Brothers have really stepped completely into the comedy vibe. But John Goodman and Bridge is presenting this this amazingly fantastical story in in kind of a, a film which is the most advanced form of stoner comedy. Um, and yeah, it's just it's hilarious and it's <laughs> amazing that it's the um, it's uh, c- the cinematography is done by uh, what's his name.
1: Roger Deakins.
0: Yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's like Stephen <laughs> Mangan is like Roger Deakins did the Big Lebowski. You know, it's like <laughs> you know, and it's like that's that's a mad sentence to say. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, no, it's, it's exceptional. The Big Lebowski, it's it's hilarious. I don't know why I, I, you say it's one of the least comedy of the films that you've suggested, but I think the Big Lebowski is an all-out comedy. I think it's a hilarious film.
1: Well, yeah, that's true. I just feel like all the other ones are like just straight-up comedies, whereas I feel like the the Big Lebowski, it's a bit more crime. There's a lot of crime going on in it. And, yeah sure but it's still it's i still think that very it, comedy
0: it's, it's a very common coen brothers thing to create these characters that are seen on screen for so little but mean so much yeah and this film has a couple of them john tuturo's character of uh of jesus who yes. actually has, has spawned a spin-off very recently that i haven't seen uh called have you heard about this jesus no. rolls no? Yeah, he, he, John, I believe John Stewart directed and starred in a spin-off based <laughs> on that character last year called Jesus Rolls. Wow. Um, and David Feulis' character, um, who, who plays Knox Harrington, who's like a, yeah. an eccentric kind of lovey type. Both of them are in this film for less than 10 minutes and are absolutely hilarious. So, yeah, Big Lebowski definitely you know has justifiably stepped into both of our number three spots. What's in your number two spot?
1: Uh, in my number two spot, I have Borat. Borat 1.
0: Number two spot, I have Borat too. Oh wow, <laughs> Not Borat too. I also have Borat.
1: <laughs> I I uh, I love Borat. I think that Borat is a masterclass in satire. I think if you want to do satire, you need to study this film. It's an absolute masterpiece when it comes to satire. It's absolutely hilarious, and it manages to capture everything that's brilliant about Sacha Baron Cohen and his ability mm-hmm. to improvise in these real scenarios and be this ridiculous character around real people and do ridiculous things around real people where you only get one take to do it and he knocks it out of the park every time and the way that he uses this character and uses this satire to expose real people and the horrible things that they think like you know he goes to a, a bull riding competition or whatever it is
0: and he's speaking (laughs) to
1: this man and he gets this man to say all of these horrible things about gay people and it's like that is how you do that is perfect because you know that sasha brown Cohen doesn't believe these things but he's saying these things to get other people to show them and it's so funny the ridiculous stupid things that he makes people do and it is genuinely an absolute masterpiece, and it is weird to say mm-hmm. calling something like Borat a masterpiece, but it absolutely is.
0: 100% agree. I thought you'd be shocked by my Borat number two, Vic. I'm very surprised <laughs> that you picked it as well. Borat is, is, is unbelievably funny. It's hilarious and again the whole thing is when I was a kid, I watched this when I was very young, you know, two thousand and six, I probably watched it when it came out. Yeah. Um and I loved it then. Because it's when you're watching it you go, ha look at the silly Kazakhstan bloke. Yeah. When you're twenty and you watch it and you go, look at the stupid Americans. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, it's it's exceptional. It's yeah the best style. I think this is I actually think that that this isn't the best thing Sarah Garend- Car- Baron Cohen has ever done. I think this is America. Uh, who is oh america? that's Sorry. true yeah this 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 is america is the is yeah the, um, i forgot about that donald glover song uh, but who is america i think his perhaps his best work that's obviously very different because you've got the long form nature of a series yeah but borat um which is obviously a film is yeah it's groundbreaking it's hilarious and it holds up the second one it has a better story and i think is a great film in its own right but it doesn't have the actual uh shock factor and hilarity that Borat, or as it's fully known, Borat Cultural Learnings for Amer- of America for Make Benefit Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. <laughs> Even the um, title yeah. is
1: perfect. And like, perfect it's, great. It's, a, comedy. it's not,
0: It's no Doctor Strange love, but it's no yeah, Doctor Strange love true. or How I Learned to Stop wearing Another Bomb. But it is exceptional in the title. And yeah, I'm happy that I agree with that. So what's your number one? Now, if this is the same number one, I'll absolutely, <laughs> I'll get my cock out. I,
1: <laughs> I doubt that we have the same number one, because I've gone for one of the, like more stupid comedies that i enjoy but really makes me laugh
0: right it won't be this my number one's not even that funny oh right yeah Uh,
1: mine is game night jason bateman and rachel McAdams. (laughs) game night
0: that's the funniest thing on the list what do you mean your number one's game night
1: i love game night my number one's the watch the watch
0: (laughs) no it's not actually the watch
1: i i love game night i think that it is hilarious it is so funny And it's so well made, the cinematography is surprisingly interesting for a comedy film. There's this one sequence where it's like a five, six minute long take of these people running around a house chasing a Fabergé egg. And it's so well done for a comedy film, they could have just done it conventionally, but they decided to do this six minute long take that's so intricate because it's like these seven people running around a crowded house and they do it all in a long take where they're throwing this egg and they throw the egg and the camera follows the egg and it's incredible and it really makes me laugh there's one scene where Rachel McAdams is trying to sterilize a wound that Jason Bateman has and she pulls vodka on his hand because they don't have sterilization alcohol and then they realize that they're doing this to get the bullet out of his arm but then they realize there isn't a bullet in his arm so they did it for no reason and it is hilarious and it just makes me laugh so much so I don't care if you think it's stupid I love it. I think it's brilliant, and it's my favourite comedy film. Fair
0: enough. Okay, fair enough. Like, I actually haven't seen Game Night, so I got. Oh, you absolutely it, so. need to watch it. I, okay, it's maybe brilliant. I will. Can do you know? Can you guess what my number one is? Do you know what my number one is? I don't know actually. It's not. Re- Look, okay, this one I would consider it a comedy because it is very funny and it very much clearly. Writes itself to be a comedy. It has a lot of crooky characters, but maybe it would be not outwardly known for most as a comedy. I guess you could say it as a drama, or even have sci-fi elements. But number one, it's my head, Schwartz. It's my head. <laughs> I've got being John Malkovich by Spike Jones as my number one.
1: Yeah, that, yeah. Um, That's. True. I should have predicted that. <laughs>
0: Benjamin Malkovich, man, I could talk for this film for a week. I fucking love *Benjamin Malkovich. It's hilarious and it's well written. It has one of the greatest film concepts ever. I'm all about the concept. That's why I love *The Truman Show*. That's why I love *Groundhog Day*. I love kooky concepts and the idea of going to go inside this, of being, of going inside someone's head for 20 minutes and experiencing it. Is, is great but adding in the slightly niche the slightly known the slightly obscure comedian uh, uh, actor of John Malkovich is a masterstroke of comedy from Charlie <laughs> Kaufman it's it's you, they, they they say in, in the I've watched all the DVD extras on the Arrow release and they say you couldn't do it with anyone it couldn't be being Brad Pitt it couldn't be any, it has to be that level of fame for John Malkovich um, and it's it's wonderful and it has some beautiful lines and the crazy world that the characters are, that you know, um, Craig Schwartz lives in you know at home with with Cameron Diaz in in their weird monkey-filled world. It, it's just wonderful. Catherine Keener has this cracking performance as this kind of bitch, absolute ultra bitch. Uh, John Malkovich playing himself is one of the only good examples of that. You can't find many good examples yeah. of people playing themselves well. John Cusack leads the role, that has the excellent line. Nobody's looking for a puppeteer in today's wintry climate. <laughs> um, it's just it's it's a it's a wonderful film. It's directed excellently. It's written beautifully by Charlie Kaufman. He obviously steals the show with his writing. Um, it's it's one of, for me. One of it is genuinely hilarious. Actually, thinking about it, And the more I think about it, the more funny it is. The character Dr. Lester and and his his you know, uh, assistant who can't hit, who you can't understand anything. It's just a wonderful film and I I forever holds a very dear place in my heart. Dean Dragovac is my number one comedy ever and I think it's just an absolutely unbelievable picture.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's great.
0: You big big do you like being me on driver? Yeah, BMI? I think it's Malkovich. great.
1: I agree. It's one of the best concepts ever. The fact that the, you yeah. know, it, if they chose John Malkovich of all people, just this random
0: actor Yeah yeah. He's yeah. brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's good, it's good. And I, I I like the idea of them having to convince John Malkovich to do this film. That, yeah. That's one of the best parts of the film, like the idea they had to like talk him into it. Um, but yeah, and it's John Cusack's best role, which, you know, he's been in a lot of films. Yeah. so But he's not been in a lot of good films. So, mm, yeah, <laughs> you know, like it stands up pretty hard. <laughs> Moving on to probably my hardest role, and maybe one that you had some of the most fun with, which is musicals. Now this is one where I really stretch the definition definition musical on a few a, a few instances um, because I don't watch many musicals I don't love that many musicals I said last week I, I've liked more musicals than I've, I've disliked um, but I've just gone for kind of a film where a lot of the songs are memorable or they randomly burst into song and I expect you to kind of accept it right so prepare for some things especially number three which maybe isn't that seen musical um, but okay. I'll start off. Number five. I have the 30s... One of the only films you could watch in the 30s now. I have The Wizard of Oz. um, Which is one... Which has beautiful Technicolor. Some outstanding performances. is one of the most iconic films ever, of course um and yeah it's just an exceptional piece of film and i'm a massive fan of the wizard of oz i don't know what else i could say about it i've seen it a million times um the music and the songs are memorable of course uh, follow the elaborate road being the highlight when it comes to you know knowledge and you know of course it is been parodied a million times it's been referenced a million times but it's definitely one of the big turning points in cinema and of color uh, and the Wizard wizard Oz set since my number five i'm pretty sure you'd agree with that's a musical right
1: yeah that's a musical
0: Right, so yeah. Wizard of Oz is my number five.
1: Why are you? Uh, well, I really struggled with this because I had so many. I actually have ten written down. Wizard of Oz in ten. Really? Thingy. Um okay. So my fifth place, I will go with Dreamgirls. Um, that I think it was from two thousand and six with Jennifer Hudson and Beyonce. I think there's a good
0: chance that you might say five films I've not heard, I've not seen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I know that you've seen one of them, and I'm right, sure that you can four. know which one it will be. um but yeah, Dream Girls. I
0: hope it's that one again.
1: It's uh it's great. It's uh features some of the best performances from singers like Jennifer Hudson, Beyonce are all great in this. The music is iconic and fantastic. Well maybe it's not iconic if you don't know musicals, but it's some of the best singing, some of the best songs ever they hired people who can sing and who can act rather than people who can sing or can act um, sure. and they did it wonderfully and Eddie, um, Eddie Red- not Eddie Redmayne, what's his name? Eddie Murphy <laughs> <laughs> um, Eddie Murphy is unbelievable in this role he's genuinely great um but jennifer hudson steals the show in my opinion she won the oscar for it deservedly and uh it's the fifth best musical ever made
0: the fourth best musical ever made which i feel like might be on your list is of course greece um <laughs> starring one john travolta uh, this song is uh, one of... I'd go say one of the films that I kind of hold the dearest to me because it's one of my dad's favourite films, um, which another one of my dad's favourite films will come out later on in this episode, or maybe the part two of this episode, if, if we're into part two already. Um, it's it's cheesy, and it's everything I hate about musicals. And, you know, it, it, it's, it, you know it, they constantly break into song, and I don't like most of the songs, but something about it is just so wonderfully 70s trying to be 50s uh it's just it's hilarious and you know the song is memorable and John Travolta's pleading face sticks forever in my head uh for me Grease just for for the marvel of cinema that it is Grease boldly flies off randomly at the end of of, of the film into the sunset (laughs) of my mind
1: literally is a
0: number four (laughs) Grease 2 is not on this list
1: Oh, Grease 2 is on this list for me. <laughs> um, Olivia
0: Newton-John's very good, actually. I will say, Olivia Newton-John is actually very good in this one. Yeah, she is. Um,
1: my number four. Oh, this is so difficult, because I'd have ten written down. My number four is the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which...
0: Uh, I've never seen it, but... Uh, what's wrong with that? I've never... Because it's just, like, you've got to be a wanker to like that shit. Why? It just comes across as like the people that go to watch it like a million times over and like, hey, let's do the no. time warp again. Fuck off. <laughs> That's uh you got it, bruh. Maybe one day I'll watch it. You've
1: not even seen I'm it. Matched with
0: so- I'm I matched with someone on Hinge the other day, and I was like, what, "What's your favorite film?" And they were like, "Rocky Horror Picture Show, and I was like, "Unmatched."
1: <laughs> but no, it, it it it's great. It's really funny. It's like a comedy musical, one of the few good comedy musicals. Um, Tim Curry is fantastic in this. He's so good in one of the iconic performances of one of the many iconic performances of Tim Curry and Susan Sarandon. It's, it's really funny. The music is great. The acting is great. The production design is great. The screenplay is great. It's a, um, what's it called? It's a cult classic. It's, uh, it's just great. I love it. It's so much fun to watch. It's uh, It really is. It's just a lot of fun to watch. If you can get past your blind hatred for it,
0: <laughs> you well, should watch it Completely and try unjustified, and enjoy it. It. right? Blind like, hatred Yeah.
1: This is why people assume you intre- hate musicals.
0: Because <laughs> I hate watching a show For no reason. I haven't seen it, so. <laughs> I'm going to introduce my number three with a reciting of the song.
1: Okay. <clears throat> oh, God. <clears throat>
0: Here's a little one I knocked off in the Caribbean. Isn't it awfully nice to have a penis? Isn't it frightfully good to have a dong? It's swell to have a stiffy. It's defined to own a dick. From the tiniest little tadger to the world's biggest prick. So three cheers for your willy or John Thomas. Hooray for your one-eyed trouser snake. Your piece of pork, your wife's friend, your Percy or your cock. You can wrap it up in ribbons. You can slip it in your slock. But don't take it out in public or they'll stick you in the dock and you won't come back. Thank you very much.
1: Wow, well done.
0: Number three, I have... Monty Python's The Meaning of Life. Now, this film, of course, is not considered generally a musical. However, it contains like ten songs, yeah. and is constantly filled with some of the most iconic songs. Now, this is seen as some of the like the weaker side of Monty Python's back catalog, and is compared to, probably is generally considered maybe the worst compared to the likes of The Life of Brian and um, the holy grail or or, you know flying circus but i actually controversially think it might be their best or at least one of their best i absolutely adore the meaning of life i've seen it a million times i've went through a period of a few months when i was about 12 of going to sleep to it every night like i used to put it on the background i think the songs are hilarious i think this is some of the funniest stuff that they do and some of the least kind of Annoyingly, that so random comedy that they do, that perhaps is slightly unbearable in Flying Circus, uh, and the songs are just so good. I mean, the 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 Galaxy song, the Penis song, it, and it's got some amazingly hilarious sketches like Mr. Creosote. I think that it, it actually has a meaning, a a, a kind of overarching um, kind of general theme that connects the the songs in a very very. Smart way, um, and I think that even though it is a much mature form of, of Python, I think it, it, it they grew with it, and I really, really think it's their most underrated piece of work. Uh, I think Monty Python's been in Life is a hilarious, and I definitely think it does count as a musical because there's so many songs in it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that; it's a musical. Uh, my is this third? I think this is third. Yeah. Uh,
0: have you seen? Have you seen it?
1: Uh, I have. Yeah, I think it's really funny. Are you a fan? I am a fan. I don't yeah, think yeah, it's their that's, best, that's but that. I'm also a fan okay that's good that's nice Um, my third pick is co- very controversial controversially although it shouldn't be is the High School Musical Trilogy or if I have to pick one High School Musical you 2 you have to pick one High School musical two.
0: musical 2 that's your pick that's your pick because you can't go for free because otherwise I'd have gone for the whole of Star Wars
1: <laughs> okay High School Musical 2 is fair enough the peak of music it's the peak of acting I've not seen
0: it right I've, got, I've not seen it, and we've talked about this, I think, off-pod, about how I've never seen it. Yeah. But I actually think that I can't say many films, I've never, ever heard anyone speak badly about High School Musical. Excellent. I've never heard a single person criticize High School Musical who's seen it. And even the films, my most like painfully super straight, like, oh, I wouldn't listen that kind of shit, mates... <laughs> I've never heard anyone criticise High School Musical. I've got to get around to watching it.
1: They're brilliant. They're so much fun. They defined my childhood. They were fantastic. And High School Musical 2, one of the rare examples where the sequel surpasses the original. They build on all of the themes from the original, and then they go further with it. And it's about growing up, and it's about love and romance, and it's about moving on, and it's beautiful and the songs are fantastic iconic the songs are fabulous so joke for those who have seen high school musical too. um <laughs> <laughs> it's it's all great it's it's just brilliant it's so much fun disney channel original movie so much fun it's brilliant and I love it. it has some of the most fun Disney characters some of the most fun Disney musical numbers. the choreography is great the direction is great for a Disney channel film. The cinematography is surprisingly good for a Disney channel original movie from like 2007 it's it's brilliant and it's it stood the test of time people still love it people still talk about it and I unironically love high school musical too. It's brilliant.
0: Nice. At number two, I think we've got a, I think a film that you probably... If I said to you I'm done top five musicals, this is probably the only one that you'd be like, yeah, he's definitely going to have that in there. And number two, I've got a film so good like I can forget that John Legend is in it. I've got Damien <laughs> Chazelle's La La Land, starring Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. La La Land is amazing. I watched it the first time this year because uh, I put it off for so long because of the musical aspect of it. Um, Chazelle, of course, I'm an absolute super fan. I think, you know, Whiplash is, you know, my, one well, of my top five, five favorite films ever. Uh, but La La Land, you know, his, his kind of properly musical endeavor, um, is a completely different take on the love story. Um, it caps off with two great performances. I think Emma Stone is wonderful in this and Ryan Gosling, you know, one of my favorite actors. Um, it is, you know, it's, it's funny and the music is memorable and it really steps into, um, basically films have made me like jazz so much. Um, because every film about music seems to be like jazz. Um, but it's wonderful. And, you know, there is com, there are things that, like, oh, it's a, you know, a white person trying to make me like jazz and all that stuff. But, you know, take away the, the, you know, those, those kind of things. And it, it's, you know, it's an excellent. And I think it, you know, it's definitely a love story. It's something that's very close to Chazelle. And you can tell that in, in the, in the feeling. And it's very wrapped up in, in cinema itself and in music. Stella you know, I'm sure, you know, I won't be surprised it was in your kind of top two. But it's just, it's excellent. And La Land, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a wonderfully shot picture. And maybe, you know, it, you know, it's famed now for its being snubbed of, of best picture. But I think, you know, it's probably deserving of it because it's just that good a film and, you know, a wonderful, wonderful picture. And a film that made me consider that maybe I've been too harsh on musicals in the past.
1: Uh, I too love Nomad uh, Why was I about to say Nomadland? Um,
0: Land? <laughs> well, that's not surprised.
1: I too love La, La Land a lot. And it was my second place, but in literally in the past like ten minutes, I've bumped it off, uh, and replaced you bumped it with something. From second
0: else place to not being on the list. It's gone from second place to that's mad.
1: I know. I don't know why, but uh, I have bumped it to not being on the list. And my second place is the nineteen fifty three musical "Gentlemen Prefer Blondes" with Marilyn Monroe and Jane Russell. It's one of right. the classic, definitive. Hollywood, Golden Age of Hollywood musicals that inspired La La Land. That's why I swapped it out for this. Um, it's it's very, very funny. The comedy has aged well. Marilyn Monroe is hilarious in this. So is Jane Russell, but Marilyn Monroe obviously steals the show. It gave us the iconic Diamonds are a Girl's Best friend sequence with the pink dress and the diamonds that has been copied by everyone from Madonna to Harley Quinn.
0: Um, yeah I was about to say that before, yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: It's, it's one of the most iconic films ever and it absolutely deserves that status it's got such a funny plot of women using their intelligence and their sexuality to take advantage of, of men in order to get diamonds um, and it's, it, it's genuinely just brilliant and I think it's great
0: okay at number one, I've got a musical which people may think that's not a musical. But if you think about it, think about how many songs are in it. Think about how many songs really, really are in it. Can you guess what I'm going to say? No. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the 1971 uh, picture. Yeah, that uh, starring out, yeah. Gene Wilder. That f- song, that film has way more songs than yeah, you think it does. I'll give uh, you that. And musical. it counts. It's a counts of a musical. William Wong's Talk Factory is is a film which, you know, once again, I, if, it feels like I'm saying the same kind of superlatives, favourite, best, this, that, because a lot of these films are films that I hold close and films that I do consider, and I have put in this because of performances, um, you know, so a lot of these are in my favourite performances. I think Jim Rada puts in one of the best comedic performances ever, especially uh, from an actor who perhaps it wouldn't have usually been seen by a child, you know, audience and wouldn't be expected to be involved in musical numbers. Um, you know, I think Jim Wilder is excellent and always i love the, the producers that could have been on my com- com- uh, comedy list as well uh but g mild is excellent but really one of the songs are iconic um world of imagination is is you know one of the, the my favorite film music songs um the candy man is, is is amazing as always um a lot of the um Performances from the younger actors are extremely uh, impressive. The that that early 70s kind of new age of, of Technicolor is just so beautiful that it looks it hits you so strongly. Um, I think Willy Wonka. You know, it, it maybe you, you people listening to this grew up. This is just a kind of little kind of kids film. When you watch it back now, you just realise just how good it is as a picture. Okay, it might take seven hours to get to the actual chocolate factory, but that build-up really pays off when you get to that kind of fa- fantastical world that you can only imagine would have been a million miles away from the pretty grim life that a lot of people grew up in late 60s Britain, early 70s. Um And yeah, it's 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 an excellent picture it you know an ensemble cast um a lot of which aren't are particularly known but of all of which are recognizable from the performances in this film uh the songs are wonderful and yeah it's it's a truly excellent picture. It really is one of my favourite films ever. Uh, it's the only film I watched my birthday this year because that, that I really, really want to watch it. <laughs> um, yeah, Willy Wonka Choke Factory, number one, number one best musical of all time. It's just excellent. If I didn't put it on here, it would have been pretty damn high on the comedy list, but I all family list. It's just an excellent picture. Willy Wonka is my number one easily.
1: Yeah, I have to admit, when you first said it, I was like, "That's not a musical," but then. I remembered like there are a lot of songs in it, so yeah, there
0: are so many songs. Yeah, the more you think about it, the more songs are out there. Loads.
1: Yeah, exactly. At first, I was like, "That's not a musical," and then I was like, "Oh wait, there's one song in it," and then I was like, "Oh no, there's that one as well." Oh, and that one, and that and one. I wanna say, and that one. I want to say, I
0: want to say that even though I am a super ultra fan of of of, of Willy Wonka, the Chocolate Factory, I don't think the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, that the more recent one with Johnny Depp, is that bad. I think okay, no, it's I not good, either. obviously. I think that it gets a lot of unfair criticism. I think it's actually a very good film. I do. But, I think it's yeah. pretty good as well. Yeah.
1: Uh, my number one musical, you may know it, you may guess because I spoke about it a lot. I went to see it last week. Is Chicago? Is it Chicago? It is Chicago? Yeah. 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 I love yeah. Chicago. Uh, I spoke about it last week, so I'll be as brief as possible. But um, it's it's just brilliant. The music is some of the best musical music ever. It's the it's the pinnacle of like jazz music. You know it's a Bob Fosse musical um, and it got remade in 2002 with an unbelievable cast of Renee Zellweger and Richard Gere and Catherine Zeta-Jones and it's, it's such a good story of you know celebrity criminals where people get famous for being criminals and Roxy Hart, using, who's played by Renee Zellweger, using that status as a celebrity criminal to become a star because she wants to become a star. And then that's contrasted with Velma Kelly, who is one of the coolest characters ever. And Catherine Zeta-Jones just completely steals the show in Chicago. Um, and she is a kind of an aging star who's past a prime, who's having the limelight stolen by, from her by Roxy Hart. And then eventually Roxy Hart becomes the aging star and it's a cycle, it's an endless cycle about how these women are just used and then as soon as they're no longer the most, like the fresh meat they call it, then they just get thrown back into like the system and that's it they get ignored after that has some of the best songs some of the best acting some of the best cinematography the way that it handles music as well is very different from most musicals it's very evident that it's a broadway musical they just it's almost like they stop being a film and become a broadway musical they even shoot the songs on a stage with an audience um, and that's how they show them to you in the film they don't sing on set they sing. it cuts from them being on set and then they're on a stage in front of an audience. And that's a really interesting creative decision. And I love it. And I think it's fantastic.
0: Hi, Future Sam here. Just saying that this podcast was very long, like three and a half hours long. So I've decided to split it into two different episodes: uh, one that we're releasing now, and another one in a few days' time. And that will be talking about our favourite romance films, our favourite superhero films, our favourite family or kids films, and crucially, our top ten films of 2021 so far. So a lot of kind of names we've already talked about on other podcasts, but also some very uh, surprising additions, ones that we haven't talked about before, uh, both from me and Lewis. Uh, that will. Draw drop in a few days of course if you want to follow the podcast and do so at now showing pod if you want to follow me it's sam h media lewis at ljwr underscore all on twitter before follow us on Letterbox. it's at uh, it's sam houston and lewis is ljwr if you uh want to listen to us you should, can uh give us a five-star review on iTunes. That's the best way to support the podcast. Uh, We are proud to be members of the Music City Driving Network. You can follow their website, uh, Music City Driving, where they have a number of different podcasts, including films such as our own, and the Film Optics podcast, the Driving uh, podcast. Uh, You can check out their music podcasts, like 50 Years of Music, or Fancy Football, like Fancy Football Roundtable, and you can find them on Twitter, at MCDIpod. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.